Welcome to Beyond the Pink Cloud, the podcast where we talk about moving forward in our lives through recovery and navigating the world with grace, ease, and humor. We've got tools and strategies from the experts to help you live with less stress and increased ease. Let's get into today's episode. so much for tuning in for another episode of Beyond the Pink Cloud. We are back after my hiatus and my backpacking trip. I was in the Smoky Mountains of Tennessee for a week out there just with my pack and my hiking poles and everything I needed on my back. And it was so wonderful and and really challenging too at times. It's been a while since I've done a long trip like that, quite a while. And I really enjoyed going solo. I loved having that much time to myself in the forest and really just to practice and play with feeling my own container, feeling my own energetic field, and then feeling the the vastness of the landscape and the trees around me. It was very restorative and very reorganizing for my own system, which is a really a nice feeling. I came out of it definitely with the sense of more empowerment and one of those things you do that's difficult and you're like, oh yeah, I can, I can do that. I I have this capability. And so then it becomes a part of you, this sense. And it's wonderful. I say this too, as part of the intro for this episode with Nicole Song, who is amazing. And she's talking about her new book, 24 Ways to Move More. And she'll tell you more about her own story. But other than being an expert in different ways to move, she's really an expert in trying new things and in having the sense of accomplishment that comes with being okay with trying a lot of new things because she she tried things habitually for years for a column she was writing. And I think it's so important to flex and to exercise that muscle. So I think you'll get a lot out of the episode with Nicole. And I have a few more really exciting interviews coming up. So the next few weeks, we should stay on track with our episodes coming out on Wednesday. But today's a special Friday release. So enjoy it. Hopefully you can listen to it today or over the weekend. And one of the things I I did want to share about my time in the forest, I had these little lessons, right? That would come to me and and feel important and, and worth writing down and worth taking that extra time to really let them settle in my own system. So in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park, on the Appalachian Trail where I was hiking, there's one part of the park where a road crosses. And so you can like hitchhike out if you want to, you know, if you're tired of being on the trail, because otherwise you're pretty much out there. And so you, to get out, you have to keep hiking for a few more days, which I realized repeatedly because I did have a few moments of being like, I don't want to do this <laughs> anymore. And I'd go in my tent and look at my map and really have the awareness of, oh, well, this is what I'm doing for at least two more days to get out of this this massive uh, bit of wilderness that I'm in. But this one day, there's a road crossing, and I was approaching it, and it was raining. I had gotten caught in a storm, and you know my feet were wet. My boots had gotten wet, and it was kind of miserable. I was pretty exhausted. It was the 12th and 13th mile of the day, and I knew at the road crossing, there was a little station there, like a little rest area. And so in my head, I had this fantasy vision of what the rest area was like and how it was calm and no one would be there because of the rain and I could charge my phone charger and maybe make a meal under like a little awning that would be there and I could just 
have this peaceful time with, with some of the few comforts of civilization. I could wash my hands and use a flush toilet. You know, very exciting when you've been in the woods for a couple of days. And so I really nursed this fantasy of what I thought the rest area would be like for miles. For It got me through at least two miles of rainy, soaking wet, slippery, uh, difficult, I'm tired kind of hiking. And I realized how important, in hindsight, how important it is to have that fantasy. Even when I got there, the reality bore no resemblance to my fantasy. It was dirty. There were no sinks even. It was like a really smelly bathroom with um, no outlets where I could charge anything, big people everywhere, really loud and chaotic. And as soon as I got there, I was like, oh, I want to go back in the woods. So that's what I did. Again, in hindsight, I realized the importance of letting that fantasy carry me through and and giving myself that time to be creative in my head with this thing that could meet all my needs. And it was I guess it was a little bit of a disappointment, but it was more just the reality. It was like, oh, it's not that, it's this. And so how, what's my next move? And carry on and carry forth as we do in life. I think it's really important to just daydream sometimes and just be creative and just be in a fantasy place. That's okay. It doesn't always have to be goal-driven or like, I'm going to fantasize this thing because I want to manifest it. I mean, that's lovely as well, but also... Maybe just fantasize something that is not not real at all. I mean, acknowledge that it's not real, but I think it's really important to use our brains this way. And I, I don't know that we do it so much these days or if it's valued as much. So I wanted to share that bit with you. And we will get into the episode here in a moment. I also want to share, I've got a three-month program that's launching in a week. It's going to close September 30th. And this is an individualized program. So essentially, you are going to do weekly sessions with me. We're going to practice somatic experiencing and and work with your nervous system, build resilience within your system, relieve high amounts of stress, build avenues for calm, build avenues for inner resourcing so that when you're in high stress situations or if we're faced with more COVID, more uncertainty, whatever the results are of the election, you're okay inside. Because I know that that's what this work does. I want to offer it to 20 people who want to commit to this program. It's a combination of individual and group coaching. Primarily, it's it's one-to-one sessions. That's the bulk of the program. That's why I'm keeping it to 20 people only. I'm doing applications because I want to make sure it's the right the right fit. Because it is a commitment, but it's also a commitment to feeling better in your own life and not just through your conscious mind, but really altering and re helping your, your nervous system and your subconscious to reorganize. And I tell you, I've done a lot of different kinds of work. I've had a very varied experience in the wellness field and the medical field and meditation, so on and so forth. And this, this work with somatic experiencing is unlike anything else. And the changes that it leads to are deep are profound and are long lasting. And especially if we can take a period of time, a three month period of time, do the regular work and give our system time to adapt, to reorganize and to work with those things that come up for you in your individual life. Because I think that's what we need. Working with a a skilled practitioner is above and beyond, I think the fastest way to make lasting change. Because having that witness to our own pain to our own suffering and having someone who can 
be with us there and someone skilled who can help us to be with ourselves through it as well. So that's what I'm offering. If you are interested, if you'd like to apply, I'll put the link in the bottom. Book a call with me and we'll see if it's a good fit for you. But the early bird price is going to go for a week and then we're going to shut it down the 30th. That's it. No more. Because because I want it to to t- to take us through the rest of 2020. I want to end 2020 on a really on a positive note, but more so on a note of being able to feel and be okay in feeling because I think that is the most important thing we can do right now. It definitely one of the most important things we can be doing is to build internal resilience within our systems so that no matter what comes at us, we are okay. So I'll have that link for you below. You can just click apply here and get on a call with me. Let's see if it's a good fit for you. And thank you all so much for listening to me share a little bit more than I usually do in the intro, but since it's been a few weeks, I wanted to touch on these things. And without further ado, let's get into this episode with Nicole Song. She is an absolute delight, wonderful human, and has some fascinating things to share. Hi, and thanks for joining me for another episode of Beyond the Pink Cloud. This is your host, Dr. Alice Kirby. Today with me, I have Nicole Song. She is an author and she has an, she's already produced two books and she has a third book coming out in October. It's called 24 Ways to Move More. She's also a work-life balance coach and she's pretty amazing. Thanks for being here, Nicole. Thanks for having me, Alice. Yeah. So tell us, um, of course, about your book that's coming out, 24 Ways to Move More. And I know we talked about this a little bit before when we spoke, but I'd love if you could just share with the audience a little bit about the inception behind the book and uh, how it came to be. Sure. Well, I wrote a fitness column for the Seattle Times for six years. And in that column, essentially every week I tried something new. It was the idea behind it is to just see what it's like to try lots of different fitness and movement classes around the city. And so when the column ended, I had this really rich store of things I had done. Um, over three, I had to count, it was over 300 by the end. And so the idea was, how do I start to actually turn this into something that you also could do? I mean, the column, the idea was that you could read it and say, hey, I'll try that. But I wanted to give people a little bit more structure for actually trying some new things. And so we came up with this idea of a, a full year where you would actually commit yourself to trying new kinds of movements. So every month there's two new movements that you can try and it's formatted in a way so that you can actually easily start to check out a class or two every month and then try to move your body in different ways. I love that. I love the creativity behind it. Um, and just the, the whole process of learning to move differently and being open to that, because I think a lot of us get stuck in our own ruts of like, I'm a runner or I, you know, hike and that's my thing. Um, was there anything you felt like you had to overcome sort of mentally when you were first writing the column and, and exploring all these new classes and new ways to move? I had to overcome a lot, Alice. So many things. <laughs> Tell us about it. <laughs> well, the first piece that I had to overcome was the idea that I wasn't really a movement or an athlete or a fitness person. I'm a yoga teacher. And so they said, hey, that's a great qualification for being a fitness writer. And I was like, is, is, that, it? <laughs> is that a really good one? So I really had to start to trust myself and my body and say, yes, I can try lots of new things and I am strong. I'm capable of doing all of that. So there was that piece for me at the very beginning of like, I am actually capable of doing what they're asking me to do. Um, And then there was the piece about actually trying new things all the time. 
and being a beginner. And that's really actually also a big part of this book is bringing in that beginner mentality. Cause I was literally three, four times a month trying something I had never done before. I was hula-ing, like Hawaiian hula. I was doing um, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I was trying things that were fairly intense things that I literally had no experience in. And so I had at the beginning, the first, I would say actually probably two years, every time I would be on my way to this class and I'd be like, oh my God, I hope I can do it. Like, can I do this? Because it was pretty intense and challenging. But then actually what I realized over time is the more I did new things, the better I got at being okay with doing something that was new and different. I really love that. And I love that you had that awareness too. Is that something that you talk about in your book? Like this idea of you could do new things. And if you actually get past that uncomfortable bit, then it's easier to do new things. Even if the thing itself isn't easier, like your ability to just try new things becomes more simple. I actually really, yeah, I think of the book as an exercise of being a beginner and being Mm -hmm getting better actually at doing new things. Cause I think, especially as adults, like you were saying, we get into ruts of the things that we do and the movement things that we do. And the book really, and the book, really the column taught me that it is possible to constantly try new things and challenge yourself that way. And then actually just be open to being bad at something. Cause that's the other thing about it. You are going to probably be bad at it cause you've never done it before. And so I got really good at being bad at stuff. And I was, and it actually was a really great practice for me to just be like, well, I'm not going to be good at tap dancing. That's okay. I feel like we need more of that because there's such a tendency towards perfectionism. I feel like half of the women that I work with are like, but I just, I'm a perfectionist. And so I like for everything to make sense. And, uh, you know, I certainly have those traits myself. So there's a lot of value in being okay with being bad at something. My dog is totally with you, Alice. (laughs) Oh, nice. What's your dog's name? Her name is Coco. Hi, Coco. Yes. <laughs> like, let's bring her on. Coco, what do you, what do you think? <laughs> well, she's a big part of my movement practices. And so she knows all about this conversation. Um, yeah, totally. And me too. And I think too, I had been doing yoga for many years by the time I started this column. I also had to start trying new things. And it is an interesting thing as an adult, because when you're a kid, you try new things all the time. You don't even really think about if you fail or you're bad at it. You know, you learn soccer, or you learn your sports, and it's just part of the whole thing. And then you get to be an adult and you think you're somehow supposed to be good at everything the first time you do it. And it's yeah. actually impossible. How could you be good at something you've never done before? And that was really one of my biggest learnings. And really one of the biggest reasons I wanted to write the book is because that was actually one of the great pleasures I had was trying new things and challenging myself into stuff. And I was often really bad at it, but I actually just got over it every time. I'd be like, okay, well, I've never done it before. So how could I possibly understand how to do exactly what they're telling me to do? So I'm just going to try and see if I can have fun. Right. Yeah. I think we need more of that. Just that, um, understanding of it's okay. I do that when I go to dance classes sometimes or, or anything really, or I'll have this conversation with my partner where I'm like, oh, well, of course you're, it's going to be like hard. You, you've never done it. Um, we had a skills lab when I was in PT school around like trying new things in motor movement. And it was around like adaptation for patients that had had stroke or other neurological deficiencies. So, um, or other neurological 
injuries so that they couldn't use their body in the same way. So this whole lab, it was really creative, was around like, what does it feel like to be bad at stuff? And so they would have us do things like juggle or ride a unicycle, like things that we just weren't good at to see, to know like how that felt and to actually feel the frustrations. We'd have a better understanding of the patients. We had to put on oven mitts and try to put beads on a string um, to sort of mimic the loss of dexterity that some, some patients have. Uh, and I learned a lot from that just in like how frustrating, how frustrating that is from their point of view. Um, but also like, yeah, that we can get through it, especially, you know, those of us that do have fully intact uh, nervous systems. I've tried, tried to ride a unicycle. It's incredibly difficult. It's so dumb. It's I mean, so hard. <laughs> I don't, it's I'm so like, hard. that's too dumb for me. I don't want to do it. That's my own prejudice. Anything that's too hard for me, I'm like, it's dumb. <laughs> um, what are some, do you feel like that trickled over into the rest of your life? Like this ability to try new things repeatedly, you know, for a year, for a year, um, or over a year, I guess two, two years, you said you wrote the column. Six years, yeah. Oh, wow. I'm sorry. I know you said 360 new things. I did, yeah. I tried okay. over 300 new things. Yeah. And yeah, it did. And I think it's actually, you know, looking at the pandemic and uncertainty, it actually has helped me just be a lot better at dealing with uncertainty. And because you don't know what's going to happen, right? You go into a new class, there's an intro class for everything. I would go into the class and I just never really knew what was going to happen. I mean, I knew it was dance or I knew it was martial arts or I knew it was X, but everyone has different approaches to it. And it just helped me be okay with not understanding or knowing how it was going to go. And I have to say, I think it helps a lot in general, you know, challenging that part of your brain. Cause it's like, it's, it really is an exercise for your brain to try new things. And it's a skill set that I really think is undervalued. Like I realized at some point that I wasn't, I was always nervous a little bit, probably all the way to the end. Like I did some pretty intense things. Like I did, um, I climbed 150 foot Douglas firs in a state park up here in Seattle and they use climbing gear. And I was terrified. I was like, I have no idea how this is going to go and why am I doing this? And is this a great idea? Those kinds of questions would always come up for me. But then in the moment, I would just make me get present and be like in my body right here. All right, I'm just going to see how this goes. And I think that that approach to movement has always helped me in my life. And it's why I'm such an advocate of movement because it helps you get your brain on track to being like, it's okay if you don't understand what's going on. Just get into your body, trust yourself, and then just see what happens in the moment. Yeah, I think it's a big um, and often overlooked way to change our states, particularly when ruminating thoughts are happening or there is, you know, we feel like we're going down that sludgy trail or that well-worn path of um, thinking that isn't particularly helpful. I feel like movement can be a great way to come out of that or to just refresh our brain a little bit with a new approach. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what I love about it. And that's what I really want people to do. Like it's not the book itself too, like there's 24 ways. The idea is not that you have to get all of them and that you have to be perfect with them at the end because that would be impossible. But really the whole, the book itself, the premise is one or two new things a month. Just see how it feels. If you've never really skied, try skiing in the winter if that's something to try for you. Whatever it is, like roller skating's in there, trampoline, and some of those things are a little bit more limited right now. And down the road, like how can you just start to, for yourself, start to adventure out, break out of what's your normal, and then see if you can actually start to enjoy it, and then see how it applies to your life. And then over the course of the whole year, because the other piece about this for me around movement 
it's for people who don't really like to move. Like you and I are a mover. So for us, it's probably fun. Some people actually, I get it. Like it's not actually fun. Exercise for them is tough. They feel like it's a big burden to even try to do this. My feeling is there are so many ways that you can move. Find the one that makes it fun for you. And that's the other piece of this book. If you don't like any of those things because you're going to classes that you hate or you find it a burden to run. Um, so I am not a runner. And this is something where I have tried many times and it's just never been something that I enjoy. And I probably could try a little harder, but I've also talked to people who have said that they tried running for a year and they didn't get over it. And I'm like, I'm like you. I'm sure even if I tried for a whole year, I would never be a runner. But it also doing the column taught me that movement should be really fun. And it doesn't need to be a burden. Like I don't have to be a runner because I can do a million other things and be strong and healthy and happy. And so one of the things for people who tell me that they don't really like to move or exercise feels like a burden or a task, that really all you need to do is try more things. And mm -hmm. if you need a list, my book has 24 and I could probably give you another hundred on top of it. And that it actually is about, because the thing is when you're really in your body, for me, it's very joyful but it has to be fun for it to be joyful. And I've done it long, long enough now that I can find many types of movement joyful, but you don't have to type, find all of it joyful. You just need to find one or two. And so that's the whole intention of the book as well is like, let's make this fun, creative. Like let's have actually be in the purpose and the spirit of your body, which is connection and fun and feeling strong and healthy. And so that to me is a big part of it as well. Like if anyone ever tells me they're not into it or, exercise is hard. I'm like, well, let's, let's start with walking. Can we just start with walking 15 minutes a day? Give yourself a baseline and then just start to try different things. Get your health back, get your strength back, and then see if you can actually pick something that's fun. Like dancing, so joyful. Like I am the worst dancer and I love dance classes. I tried so many dance classes, but, and I was horrible. At so, I mean, like all these things, I tried so many things, but I just had so much fun with it. So I just kept doing it. Like I still take tap class when I can, because I'm so bad, but it's really fun. I think that's great. Um, I think we talked about this before as well. Like I'm a big proponent of like finding the joy in movement because, it, you know, I do think that's the part of the point of our bodies is a, to be in them and to be present and yeah, figure out how to move where it feels good for you. And um, I love the concept too of exploring three-dimensional movement, which is one reason why I think dance is so great. And I mean, of course, we're always three-dimensional, but I guess what I mean more is multi-planar movement because so many of our movements are focused on like just moving forward, either like walking or biking. And I love both of those things. Um, but I love when when we can sort of take up more of the space around us creatively, um, even in just like freeform dance. And I think that's a fun way to like, encourage or inspire that sense of is this like how can this be joyful for you even if it's five minutes with a song you really like at home and have that be the start of your practice yeah and one of the things i tell everyone is give everything a chance like don't just do mm -hmm. it once because if you just do it once your body actually does get muscle memory from that first time and so the second time is always easier so one of the things that's in the book is roller skating and i used to think roller skating sucked it was really hard like i would always crash into walls and i never really enjoyed it so then of course i decided i should take a class and then by taking my class and i actually learned a few skills and then it was actually really fun because i had something to work on and i had a little bit of muscle memory and so then now when i go roller skating i'm like oh roller skating is fantastic but you have to give it a chance like that's a big part of it. This was the one thing I didn't get to do a ton during the column was try things more than once because I was always moving on to the next. I have to say though, every time I did return to things or if there were ever things that I did, like I learned um, rowing, like I did skull rowing on Lake Washington here in Seattle. And I did that for 
two months and then I just continued because I actually loved it so much. But that when you learn to row, for example, then you go back over and over again, you just get this new cool skill and it's super fun. And so that I want people to always try it a couple of times. Don't write things off after the first time, because if you do that, you might actually miss out on something that's pretty awesome. Yeah, that's great advice. Um, what do you think is part of the, the issue, I guess, with, and I think we all have our own ideas about this, but like why there is not really a stigma, but I think there's kind of a barrier to movement a lot in our culture. Um, and I don't know if this is the perception that movement has to be a certain way or exercise has to be a certain way, but I'm curious if you found this even in, you know, working with your clients of what some of the, the barriers are that people come up against around movement and how we can, you know, work to overcome them. And I know you've already given us a lot of really great suggestions, um, but curious what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, I think that what we've done is we've put movement into a box of exercise. And so we have this idea that it has to be exercise. And so when you put it into the box of exercise, it's contained to an hour a day. It's a set thing you have to do and you have to do it for your health. And it's not something that's put into a place of like, oh, that moving your body is joyful or fun, or there's lots of different ways to think about how your body is moving through the day. And so I address it in the book as well. Like, how do you start to think of movement beyond your hour of exercise? And I'm air quoting exercise and actually turn it into like, how do you just, are you checking on how your body is functioning throughout the day? Like I sit on the floor when I work. And it's one of the ways for myself, I know I'm working my knees and my hips and my ankles and my joints on top of actually needing to go get my hour of yoga, which I like to do, or I like to weight lift, or I always walk 10,000 steps a day, right? So those are lots of different ways. So the 10,000 steps a day might be what the definition is of your exercise for the day, but there's actually lots of different ways to think about how you move your body throughout the day. And so that's something I always really like people to start to think about and explore a little bit. Um, I really, I follow Katie Bowman who founded Nutritious Movement and she's a biomechanist and she talks a lot about how the impact on our body all day of not moving and what that looks like. And she really changed my thought process around what is movement? What is the body? Like I wear minimal shoes, for example, to help like my feet flex more and stretch and move through the day so that I feel like oh, I'm doing healthy things for my body, even if I can't get to my yoga class, even if I can't get to some dance class, I'm still doing things that are good for me throughout the day. So I'm always trying to broaden myself in particular, what is movement? Like how long have I been sitting on my couch and how can I start to get myself to be like, okay, it's cool. Like hang out on the couch for an hour, but then like go do something else and like get up and move your body around. And that if I'm doing that all day long, I don't get so obsessed with like having to get to my hour of exercise. Does that make sense? Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I, I really like what you said about putting, we put exercise in a box. I think that's so true. And then it's, and then I think what can happen with that too, is if we don't get to it, like you were saying, if we don't have these, this awareness or these other practices built in around our day, then it's like, there comes like guilt or shame or, Oh, I didn't do it. So I'm bad. Or I have to do double tomorrow. And, and it almost becomes like a punishing factor. And I see that with exercise sometimes too, and the stigma around it of like, well, I have to like, like kick my ass at the gym. And I mean, and maybe that works for some people. Um, but there isn't that idea of, I do this because it feels really good and I like doing it. And I could see how that kind of mentality is a turnoff for people, especially if they don't really like moving or have never been introduced to different ways to move. Yeah. And I feel like for me, it's like the running versus strength. For example, I love strength classes. Like for me, give me a hit class or anything functional, strong, weightlifting. I loved those classes whenever I took them. 
running. Like I, you know, whenever there's like sprinting or running, I'm always like, oh God, do I have to do that? But I'll still do, I'll still do it. And it's like, there's things that I have a tendency that I really enjoy and everyone has it. Some people like dancing is it great, then do your thing, right? Do the thing that actually brings you joy and fun and then be willing to try new things too because you might surprise yourself. Like I, again, like I'm totally, I used to dread the dance classes because I really felt awkward. But then the more I did them, the more I was like, oh, this is just fun. We're just being silly and having fun. And it's like no big deal if I can't get the steps. Yeah. Did you find uh, most of the beginner classes you went to were pretty supportive because everybody else was a beginner too? Yes. Beginner classes. This is the other thing. In all the classes that I took and all the studios that I went to, there was a beginner there is. So people often, I think I used to always kind of be like, I don't want to be in the beginner class. I'm not a beginner. Like I, I totally started yoga, not going to beginner classes. And now as a yoga teacher, I'm always like, please go to the beginner class. Like just learn some baseline movements before entering a class where people have been practicing for a few years. Um, and I found for myself too, I really like the beginner classes because you literally can learn things. They break it down. They give you foundational things and then you understand what they're talking about. That's a huge part of it is like understanding the language. But I found that there was a beginner class for literally everything. And then they do break it down and they make it really simple. And it might feel a little slow at the beginning, but doesn't, it doesn't matter. And it actually, sometimes the beginner classes, you're like, wow, that's a lot of information. And then they build you off of that the whole time. But that's the whole point. Like I literally have found every kind of movement has a beginner class, take advantage of it. That's great advice as well. Um, and I love that, especially when we think about moving from the, the biomechanical model, like some of those beginner classes where you start just getting muscle activation in the right places, it's so important not to skip that. Because then, like you were saying, it builds that foundation, not just of your, of your mind, but really of the, the specifics of your neuromuscular system so that you're less prone to injury and that you're building some of that stability that needs to occur for the movement to be more fun and, and safer, really, so that you're less uh, likely to injure yourself, which I think is just always a good thing to be aware of. Like, can we do it right from the beginning? Or, and by right, I mean more sort of posturally correct and better suited for our forms. Well, you probably know as a PT, like there's just certain muscles that you don't know how to fire. Yeah. Right. Cause we all have muscles. We don't know how to fire because of the life that we live. And so you have to learn to do it and they'll tell me to do things. And I'm like, what do you want me to do? And then you have to learn it, but then it's actually kind of fun. And that's the stuff that I actually think is really cool about trying new classes or doing different things. Like when I took, ta- I still take taps. I talk about tap a lot. Like I didn't realize how I don't have a fast twitch in my ankles, which you really need to tap quickly. And I was like, I had to really start to work in training my feet to just do this thing. And I was like, who knew I had to train my feet? But if I wanted to be a good tap dancer, like you have to really train the fast twitch in your feet. I'm still working on it. That's so funny to do tap classes. I have a a couple other like um, adult women friends who really love tap. And I guess that was something I did as a kid. So I never really thought adults, adults, that was something adults did. It seems super fun. It's so fun. And then I joined a studio that also has performances twice a year. I wrote about this in the book, but I'll tell you a little quick recap. Um, I took the class and I joined six weeks before the performance. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. I am not getting on a stage in front of 500 people and performing tap. But like I just kept and I was really overwhelmed by the choreography. We were doing fairly complex choreography. But I just kept going and I just kept going. And then the week of they were like buying sparkly tops. And I was like, that looks mm. good. I know the tops are really cute. And I was like, Oh God, are you really doing this? And I was like, they're like, are you coming? And I was like, I guess I am. Ordered my sparkly top. I practiced <laughs> like crazy that whole week was in the back and I did it. 
And it's like one of those things as an adult, like you don't think about that, like how I'm going to perform, I'm going to do something really hard and really scary. But I have to tell you, Alice, I was so proud of myself, like not for how I performed, but I was just proud of myself that I got on a stage in front of 500 people. I did the super hard tap dance and a sparkly top. And I was like, yes. But that's what happens, right? When you try something new, something really hard. And I have to say, I really had that muscle was really strong after six years of that of the column of being like, okay, here you go. You're going to try something incredibly scary. You're going to get on a stage and you're going to tap and you're going to just do it. Cause like I was also part of a tap studio where like phenomenal dancers, like incredible dancers. And I'm just like in the back doing my thing that I have like no training in tap. And I just was like, all right, here I go. But that's the thing that's really cool about it is like when you start to move through things that are really challenging and hard and scary and that in movement or anywhere in life and you get on the other side, you're like, wow, that's awesome, right? And then you build the, the muscle of like, well, I can do really hard things and feel awesome about it at the end. And that was really fun for me. Yeah, I think it's so important to build that muscle. And I, I love that you have this like beautiful example of doing it for six years with movement. I just think that's so cool. Um, yeah, I've done some dance performances as an adult too. I'm a belly dancer and I, I haven't I haven't been that active in it. Cause I think I told you before I, I like injured my back because I was pre- preparing for a performance and just doing a ton of like forward bends for this. Cause I did it every day, every day, every day. But I think the costumes were a big part of why, plus I love moving my body that way. It feels really natural for me and really fun, but the, yeah, the costumes are so great. It's so, it's so I've tried belly dancing. Like I do that. not, I do not have that, that <laughs> hips wiggle. Like it doesn't happen in my body. I'm always like, Ooh, I really wish I'd done more of this as a kid. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I feel like we could all use it. Um, were, th- were there any classes that you went to that you like really had to get over a wall to do things? Like, did you do anything? I know you mentioned that a little bit, but anything that was like really scary or really that you didn't do or that you left or that was like extremely difficult for you to, to get to that other side of trying it? Well, I'll say the accountability of writing a column always kept me in every class. So I never bailed on classes because I was like, I'm going to gonna have to tell, yeah, no, I never bailed on a class because I was like, I'm going to have to tell my readers that I didn't do it. So I never bailed for that reason. Um, and yeah, of course, like there was so many, I, a lot of the ones that were really hard for me were actually uh, like martial arts hmm. because of like grappling. And so a lot of those were very physical contact with people that were strangers. So for me, I liked partner dancing because I was like, and I always had to get over a little bit for me. I'm like, oh, I'm not touching this person's hand that I don't know, right? And that was actually really cool and a good practice of like being in contact and being able to have like a neutral experience with another person in a like a swing dance class or a salsa class. But the physical, like a jujitsu class, those kinds of ones were really intense because you would be like, pinned down on the ground and like as a woman like that was a big challenge for me to be okay to be in that really physical experience of it um and they were so hard like oh my god I was like crazy dying of sweat at the end of classes like that but those were really good because it was a really big challenge and like learning sort of that experience of being in that intense environment and being okay and breathing and like being like okay this is what we're doing on purpose and yeah those those ones were definitely more challenging the martial arts and they were good for me mm-hmm. because they were also saying too, it's like just in general, we want to have people in close to your body and understand how to handle yourself in situations like that. So yeah, scary and also fun. Yeah. yeah. Do you feel like you're, I mean, you must, do you feel like you're just safer walking around? Like you're kind of a little bit more just from a self-defense, not that you felt unsafe before, but I'm curious no. with doing all of these things. I felt like 
I learned cool tools and I wish I would do more of it. Like I would, I, that's a class where I was like, I would benefit from spending like a month really doing like a martial arts class to feel like I understand those things and have it more wired in my brain and not just have it be like, oh yeah, like I learned that a couple of years ago and only did it once. I think for certain stuff like that, that would really help to dial it in a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I think I've seen so many people, not so many, I've seen a a good percentage of of people um, as a physical therapist who have injuries from jujitsu that I'm always a little bit, because I've done, I think one class a long time ago and I I like it, you know, I'm like, yeah, this is cool. I feel strong. It is really, really hard. And my body likes that, but I'm, I'm nervous about the injury factor because yeah. Yeah. There's certain things like that. I mean, jujitsu is not in the book, by the way, I was just giving an example because it is, it's a much more intense sport for most people. And so those are more my experience from being in the column, but I try to, you know, I think that it is, but if that's something that's interesting to you and those are good challenges, those are places for people to go venture out and try for sure. Yeah. And I think like yeah. you said before, start with the beginner class and, and yes. get those, get those muscles dialed in that you need. Yes. Yes, um, totally. For people that may not have access or especially now with COVID to like gyms or group classes, or maybe they don't have the financial means to do new group classes. Do you touch on, um, I know you mentioned walking, but what are some Mm -hmm. of the other ways that people who want to try these things can try them at home or in their neighborhood or without having to join a gym or go to designated classes? Yeah, I have found there's a lot of outdoor activities that are, you know, free. There's like trail running, whether that's actually running in like a local park or walking is my all time favorite movement and something I do every day. And then I think just looking into places. So there's a lot of outdoor movements in there that are, I think, that are the big ones that people will start to try. The winter ones require a little bit more equipment if you're doing that. But um, a lot of the ones that are available to us right now are easy, like to me, again, if you could just do any foundational thing, I would always tell people to walk. And then on top of it, you could turn it into trail running or you could turn it into having a little bit more fun. And, you know, like roller skating's in the book, but you could do inline skating, right? Like you could do that out on a trail anywhere else or go into a park and do that as well. So yeah, there's a lot of ones. I think a big thing will be for people starting to look and be like, am I being creative? Can I be more creative? Stand up paddle boarding, which does require equipment, but like that's something, you know, you could also try that. I'm a big fan of anything where you put your shoes on and walk out the door mm. in general. Yeah. Because that's just, it's simple. It's free. It's easy. You don't need anything fancy around the whole thing. And you can just actually start to challenge yourself that way. Um, but there's water ones swimming. And I know even if you're indoor swimming, some places are limited on that right now, but you could do outdoor swimming or just getting into water, things like that as well. And then I actually love the Zoom classes myself. There's a lot of people doing really fun dance classes, stuff like that, where you don't have to necessarily join the studio. You could do like a low drop-in and then just have fun dancing. I think those are really cool. Yeah. I've done a couple of those during COVID. I did this, um, what was it called? Gaga, some kind of dance from Africa and they just lead you, but it was crazy. It was so fun and it was very, they gave you guidance, but it wasn't specific steps. So it really was a nice invitation to- be present in your body. Um, it was lovely. It was really neat. I actually did it outside and I was like, Oh, I enjoyed that more than I thought I would. So there's definitely, yeah, a lot of things like that and free stuff on YouTube too. I mean, I agree. I I tend to be more of the mindset of just get outside because I think changing our environment is really good. And just time in the natural world is so important. But I mean, I think I YouTubed one day, like free dance class or dance, you know, routine and did this 20 minute I don't even know what it was. It was some kind of African dance. It was really hard, but it was really fun. I got a good sweat and 20 minutes later, you know, that was done. 
For sure. I think there's so much stuff out there. And there's just, you know, some people are always like, how do you find places? I'm like, I just use my friend Google. Yeah. And I would look things up, you know, and like there's stuff in there too, like tennis is something where you could borrow a racket from somebody and just go to an outdoor court and just start to challenge yourself a little bit on hand-eye coordination. That's always something useful, right? There's lots of different ways, again, to be creative. And I think going into winter and when we're headed into the fall, it will require us to be even more creative to figure out what it is. And I think it's good for all of us. You know, I think that's the biggest thing I've noticed with COVID is it interrupted a lot of routines and those routines, some of them worked for us and some of them didn't. And so when you have that opportunity of that interruption, you're like, oh, okay, well, how can I do something that's different now? Like I know I work with women who have kids and I'm like, well, what if your kids part of your movement practices versus like I have to exercise and separate it out from my kids that you guys do do yoga together or you go on a walk and like that's your movement for the day. And I think that all of those changes are actually really good for us because we have to start to pick things that actually work in our lives and be intentional around how movement is in your life. Like I'm not a fan of prescribed anything around movement or life. It's like, how do you make it work in a way that really works in your life? And that I hope that people can really get some ideas around it and be creative. I've actually found during COVID, I've had to be just super creative. Like I've had to be creative about movement, how I think about things, how I socialize with my friends or any of those pieces but actually in certain ways it's been just super cool like I went out kayaking with a friend and then we had a picnic at a park and maybe we would have done that last summer but I don't I don't know if we would have you know what I mean like we had to we literally didn't have a lot of other choices so we're like okay like let's go kayaking that'll be super fun yeah that's great I think you made a lot of really good points that especially COVID being a big pattern interrupter and kind of forcing us to do some of what you found you were doing with your column, which is we have to like try these new things and be uncomfortable in them and, and see how they fit and like allow for a little bit of wiggle room within the uncomfortableness until it does feel good. And I think that's, I think we need to do more of that. I, I really agree. Yeah. Yeah. I'm totally, yeah. I'm into that. And I've actually, I feel like actually, again, the creativity has been fun mm-hmm. during that's COVID. Fun. Yeah, it's, it makes you think differently and it, it breaks up some of that stagnancy of just like one direction and forward movement and, and very like single focus. And I think it's so easy to fall into that because we all have so much to do. You know, it's like we wake up and, and you know, in many cases we have like 20 things to do. So we like sort of start checking them off and that's our day. And then we go to bed and there isn't a lot of room for creativity. And no. Yeah, that's sad. I think if we can start to build it in, and I love, I love the container within which you are doing this with your book to build it in around a movement practice. I think that's really lovely, really needed too. It's good work. It is needed. Like I always am like, how do you get into balance in your life? And to me, movement is just an essential part of it. And it doesn't matter what kind. That's always the biggest thing to me. I was like, I don't care how you do it. Just do something. Yeah. Just do something that makes you feel better. I know for myself, if I'm in my head and I'm feeling really stressed or work is going on or whatever, if I just go literally on a walk for 20 minutes, I feel better. And so how do you just start to build in that? Like it's something that's making you feel better. Mm-hmm. It's not an obligation. It's actually something that's going to help you and that you can just start to, and again, by doing things that you enjoy or things that are simple, that you can just start to actually shift your mind. One woman I was talking to said that a month into COVID, she'd been feeling super stressed and she realized because she didn't have her walk for her commute anymore. She was just doing like three, four days a week of like running and that was it. So then she started walking on top of it like once a day and she's like, 
within a, like two days, she's like, I felt so much better because that's the thing is like movement actually makes you feel better. It makes yeah. you like happier. It makes your life feel good. And so for me, it's like, if you can just make it fun and creative and something that you enjoy doing, it's just good for you, whether you know it, like whether you're paying attention to that part or not, like it's always going to make you feel better. Yeah. Yeah, it really does. It's so good. I mean, and it's this easily accessible thing to us because we all have bodies and, you know, and I've worked with, with patients across the spectrum in age and and disability and and there's always is some way to move, um, which is the neat thing. Yeah, absolutely. Like I think about people like I am in the yoga world, right? So there's people, there's movement for all kinds, like there's chair yoga to like really intense power yoga, right? There's this whole spectrum that you can do. Same with walking. And I'm always telling people, I'm like, just start where you're at. And then just try one thing and just do the one thing. Or like, you don't have to go on a crazy hike, but you can go on a mile walk in the woods. And then you do that mile walk in the woods. And then the next time you might do a mile and a half, right? And then every time you just like do step by step until you're just in a place that you're like, oh yeah, I feel really good. And I just want to go back. Mm -hmm. Like that's where I would like people to get. Like I go, like I spend, my whole weekends are planned around hiking or movement because I'm like, well, it's just what I want to do. Yeah. Because I feel much better. I feel more whole as a person if I get to do that. Yeah. Same. Um, yeah. and I like what you said about just along the, the lines of, of getting out for a walk to kind of change your state. I did that last night with my partner. He was ruminating on something and I was like, well, you know, what can be helpful. I don't like to give him too much advice, you know, but I was like, you know, it would be helpful to change your environment. And he's like, what do you mean? I was like, I mean, leave the house. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah. So we went for a walk and, uh, you know, it's nice. It's a full moon and it's so simple, you know, just up the hill and back down. And I love that little, I love the simplicity of walking. I know you're a big fan of it too, whether it's in the neighborhood or you do go out on that trail in the woods. It really is a big changer of how you feel internally. Did he feel better after? Yeah. I mean, I was in a really good mood anyway, but um, I think he did. Yeah. Good. Yeah. I don't know how you couldn't, you know, like how do, you don't come back feeling worse, you know, barring Never. like an accident or an injury or something, but Yeah, totally. I'm always like, if I feel like I'm just stuck in something, I'm like, I'm just even going to walk around the block Yeah, and then come back and then see how I feel. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's my go-to. Well, thank you, Nicole, so much for coming on. Do you um, have anything right now that you're promoting or pitching? I know, of course, the book. Let us know when that's coming out, where we can find it. Um, But if you have anything else going on you'd like to share with, with the listeners, please feel free. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, so my book, 24 Ways to Move More, is out on October. October 1st. And it's in all the retailers and lots of places. You can also check out my website for it, which is 24waystomovemore.com. And that's really the big thing. I have a Facebook community I'm building in there. If you want to come in, I think another part of movement we didn't talk about too much is also having community Mm -hmm. and having people around you. So really there is a group there as well that you can join. And we talk about movement and have conversations about things you might be trying from the book. Um, But yeah, that's a big thing. And then I also am a work-life balance coach and you can find me at my website, Nicole Song, which is T-S ong.com. I'd love to chat with you and connect with you if that's interesting as well. Yeah, that's wonderful. And I'll post all of your links in the show notes. So we'll have that for everybody. And yeah, it's been a pleasure to, to chat with you today. Thanks so much for coming on and, and sharing all of your experiences. Oh, actually, I wanted to ask you about like, what was one of your favorite classes that you did? As we're wrapping up, let me just throw another question. <laughs> yeah, right. My favorite classes. I have to say, actually, it's the one I couldn't put in the book, but I really loved it was actually climbing the 150 foot Douglas fir tree. Hmm. It's so um, scary to be on It was place. scary. I've done yeah. The climbing. It's terrifying. It's, and they did it with, um, we did carry, like we did it through rock climbing gear. Mm. 
so we just kind of climbed the rope all the way to the top branches. It was hard. It was way more work than I expected. And then being up so high was really crazy because once you see yourself leaving the ground and you can look down, like it's just a pretty intense experience. But then once, you know, getting up into the tree and being able to sit on a branch and we did it up in Deception um, Pass, which is this beautiful place on an island up here in Washington. And I could see the water and I, I felt like an, literally just like an eagle sitting up there perched up on this branch and then I kind of like hugged my tree friend who had gotten me there and it just it was really an epic experience and I have to say that one just stands out so much for me is both the challenge because like the fear of heights and the physical challenge but then also the experience of being up there was really powerful and so I would definitely I'd rank that amongst the top for sure yeah that sounds really memorable and scary yes (laughs) Good for you. I have so much respect for you for trying all of these different things and never bailing on a class and, and getting comfortable being uncomfortable. It's such a big deal. It really is. Thank you, Alice. Yeah, it was, it was a good practice. I had a lot of, I had a lot of, a lot of experience trying things and being like, all right, Nicole, just going to be bad for right now. It's all good. Yeah. I love that. You know, you've definitely inspired me. So I'm going to try something new this week. Cool. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Um, and hopefully the listeners too, you guys, if you, if you want to try something new, um, come on and tell us about it in the Facebook group. Yes. Report back. Yeah. Report back. All right. Well, uh, it's great to have you on and, um, yeah, we'll post everything and, and people will come find you. Awesome. Thanks Alice. You're welcome. (laughs) Bye.